over the past year, you have heard that our vision here at Crossroads is to connect everyone everywhere to Jesus by multiplying leaders, campuses, and churches. Years past, you have heard us say, we are disciples making disciples, following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and being on mission with Jesus. And I'm sure if you looked back five, 10, or 20 years, you would hear different ways that we here at Cross Crossroads have had the same message. See, what is truly incredible is that 50 years ago, our church began in a house, a house so small that people had to peek around corners and walls just to hear the pastor who was speaking. And today we gather in buildings with plenty of space. And I don't think anyone has their view obstructed by drywall. But, but the mission is still the same because the great commission to go into all the world and share the gospel is what our church has always been about. Crossroads is full of incredible people who over the years have led our church in partnerships with other missionaries, church planters and pastors all over the globe and have stopped at nothing to make the name of Jesus known. People like Roger and Norma Alexander who planted a, sun, planted a church, Sunlight Church in Haiti in 1991. People like Paul and Emily Lingy who helped plant the church in Kharkov, Ukraine in 2000. People like Linda Huber who helped plant a church in Ecuador in 2001. People like Larry and Mary Francis, who have moved to Dearborn, Michigan to plant churches in what could have been their retirement years. People like Jeff and Lisa Taylor, who lead our Japan Task Force as we partner in a planting a church in Nagoya, Japan, where less than 1% of the population is Christian. People like John Hayden, who leads our church planting task force and our partnership to plant Epiphany Church in Brooklyn, New York, that launched just a year and a half ago. People like Paul Special, who is currently representing Crossroads as he serves a new partnership with Mustard Seed Church in Kyoto, Japan. And people like Matt Whetstone, who leads by serving on the advisory board for a new partnership with Center Set Church in Silicon Valley, set to launch in the next four weeks. And of course, of course, people like you, people like you who have served and prayed and sacrificed to see the first of many Crossroads campuses come to life right here in Evansville on the west side. And because none of this would be possible without people like you putting your faith to action, when we received a thank you note from Ollie, the lead pastor of Center Set Church, we didn't want to keep it to ourselves. Ollie writes, words can't express God's nor my sincere gratitude for your generous gift to expand the gospel here in Silicon Valley, the most unchurched region in the United States. No matter what I write, my gratitude will never fully be articulated to match my appreciation. However, there is a Psalm that echoes this thought, Psalm 74. David at a loss to express the greatness of God spoke these words, taste and see that the Lord is good. Declaring prophetically, God is a person not merely to be studied, but God is a person to be experienced. Ali is right, God must be experienced, but not just by us here in Newburgh and Evansville. It is our job, it is our mission rather, to take his love and share it with our neighbors and share it with the nations. So for as long as we have breath in our lungs, that is what we will do. We will continue to serve our community, pray for life change and spread the gospel to the ends of the earth.
guys, today we're in the midst of a series called The Story Continues. We've looked up in prayer. We've looked around in service. Now we are going to look down into God's word. But before we do that, let me pray. And if you would kind of pray with me for our country, for peace, and all the tension. Father, we love you and worship and praise you. What a great God. What an amazing God. God, you have just being here, just being in this country is a blessing that that we didn't even get to choose. We just got so many blessings in our lives are like that. Father, I pray for tension in our country that ought not to be there. We are just simply called to love one another. Uh, and Father, even as a Christian, if someone doesn't believe like we believe, we're not allowed to hate. We, in fact, we're called to pray and love even more. Uh, Father, bring healing to this nation. We love you. We worship you. We praise you. We invite you to come. And speak tonight, for I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Crossroads, how's everybody doing? Everybody doing good tonight? All right. Hey, guys, we are in our 50th year. The church is in the 50th year, the year of Jubilee. And I, I understand that I'm just now joining in, but I'm so excited to be here. I think this is an amazing time to be a part of this church. And what I have understood from talking to people, uh, you know, great days have surely marked the past 50 years. I hear the stories all the time of what God has done through his people right here. Years of many, many, many decisions for Christ. Baptisms, marriages, uh, uh, years of great leaders, years of, years, of, years of lean and years of plenty. And I know that amazing new years are ahead of us. Because our heart's desire is to begin to, to immobilize, to equip for all of us to grow stronger in Christ so that we can de reach deeper and deeper into our community to see others led to Christ into newer and deeper relationships. And that's, that's just not going to stop. That's what we're about. Well, when, we, when God issued the decree to his people to have a year of jubilee, he said this to them in Leviticus chapter 26. Listen to God's promises. If you will follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you the seasonal rains. The land will then yield its crop and the trees of the field will produce their fruit. Your threshing season will overlap with the grape harvest and your grape harvest will overlap with the season of planting grain. You will eat your fill and live securely in your own land. God is issuing a clear message. He's saying, man, if you will dig into my word, if you will know my word and not just know it, but you will begin to honestly observe it. I said to somebody this week, I don't want to just read the word of God. I want to live by it. I want to treat people the way God's word tells me to treat people. I want to forgive the way God tells me to forgive. I, I really, really want to live this. I don't want to just say it or say it up on stage or say it in the right meetings. I want to leave that meeting and look just like Jesus. <clears throat> this passage is known as a conditional promise. If this happens, then this will happen. Know and follow the Bible, then God will send seasonal rains. That's times of refreshment. The term God will is used six times in these three verses. There will be times of growth. God says, if, if we will begin to follow his word, then each season will be so plentiful that before one even ends, the next one will get, begin. He said, you will eat your full and you will live without fear. Man, that's a lot that's a lot of promises from God. Promises that never run out. Promises that are just as true today as they were back then. But you and I have to believe those promises. 
I am just overwhelmed with the thought that, listen, at no time in my life can I say, you know what, God's word is, says to do that, but not in this situation. But you don't understand. But, but, but yeah, but you don't see all of my circumstances. I don't see a lot of circumstantial loopholes in the word of God. I see God saying, if you do it this way, then this will happen. A lot of great promises. <clears throat> promises that never run out. In Numbers chapter 23, Moses writes these words. God is not a man, so he does not lie. I mean, how many of us, I promise, I swear, I won't, I mean it this time. Well, God, God doesn't do that. He just keeps his word. He's not human, so he doesn't change his mind. He is, has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? The promises delivered thousands of years ago apply to us right here and now. So tonight, what I'd like us to do is simply take a deeper look at the Bible. I'm not going to try to prove to you that it's true through historical and scientific proof. But if I did, it would be very easy. The Bible's not a science book, but where it touches science, it's accurate. Where it touches history and geography, it is dead on. But tonight, I propose to you that we as a church and as individuals begin to take God up at his word. Because I want all of us, I want all of you, I can see this with all my heart and soul, I want all of you to have all of the promises of the word of God. I want God to unload the storehouses of heaven upon you. I want him to anoint you with joy. I want him to give you the fruit of the spirit, which is peace and joy. I want those things for you. So what if we all just agreed to simply look down and deep into God's word? What if we individually, individually, individually agreed that each one of us was going to start reading the Bible on our own every day? And I'm, I know you might be saying, I, mean, I don't know, that's hard. Maybe that's a little more boring. Maybe I couldn't do that. But I promise you by the end of the night, I want to give you a reason to do that. What if we truly began to let his plans shape our plans? His thoughts shape our thoughts. I'll tell you what, I believe it would change and revolutionize your very life. I, 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 believe, I believe the life-changing power of the word of God. God's word will change your life. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. I think of the word of God like a fungus. It gets all over you and it just keeps growing it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. God's word will change your life. If you spend time in God's word, you literally will find yourself moving and going and, and doing things that you would never have done before. I believe that. I believe that time in the word will make you smarter than you could be without it. God's word will make will make you wise. It'll change your life and it'll make you wise. Look at Psalms 119. Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I'm always thinking of your laws. I am even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. When I used to lead small groups at Southeast Christian Church, I'd have different crews of teenagers in, and some of them would walk up to me and go, Rick, 
hey, would you pray for me? I've got a big test tomorrow. And I would say, well, let me ask you a question. Have you studied the word of God? Have you read the word of God every day this week? And they would say, well, no. I'd say, then I'm not praying for you. I would literally say that. Well, and, and they knew, they understood. Why? I'd say because the Bible promises that if you will study the word of God, he will make you wiser than your teachers. You know how to get wisdom and you're not doing it. So why would I waste my time praying for you? You never want me to be your small group leader. <laughs> I am so honest, it'll just blow you out of the water. Joe Mondohano, I mention his name all the time. I even text at Joe and said, dude, you're, you're, you're famous. You're not even here. Joe Mondohano is my, my, my uh, discipleship director at, at Simi Valley Journey. And I led Joe to Christ about four years ago. And, and I would say, hey, Joe, why don't we read this book chapter by chapter? And he'd have the book already read before I met him the next time. And he would say, Rick, I'm doing three, three Bible reading plans. And, and, I, and I've read through the Old Testament. And he would start spouting off things. And you know what he would say to me so many times? He'd say, Rick, I swear to you, I am so much smarter since I started reading the word of God. He goes, I am smarter in the way that I deal with my children. I am smarter. He's a financial director. I am smarter in the way that I deal with my finances. I am smarter in the way that I deal with my discipleship. He said, the word of God has made me so much wiser. God's word will make you wise. I, I believe that. I believe the daily time in the word of God will make you wise. I believe that time spent in the word of God will bring you success where there may have been failure. We're going to get into that a little bit deeper. We're going to look at one verse here, but a lot more. God's word will bring you success. Psalms 119, how sweet your words taste to me. They're sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp and a guide to my feet and a light for my path person who spends daily time in God's word often has insight and direction that's far beyond him or her. I believe that God's word will deliver you from condemnation. Man, this is something that was so huge in my life. God's word will bring you great comfort. Psalms 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The more I dig into God's word through Paul's writing in Romans and Galatians or John's writing in the Gospel of John or 1 John, the more I am sure of my deliverance from condemnation. Let me tell you, without those words, without, the, without Paul saying there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ, without John saying perfect love casts out fear, anybody that's afraid of punishment doesn't understand the love of God, without those passages, without those words... I would be filled with regret and condemnation. His word has delivered me from depression. Time spent with God and his word will change your life. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do tonight. I'm asking us to really believe that God's word, word is powerful. To really believe it. I mean, to really believe that if God says, if you'll spend time in the word of God, I'll bless you. To really believe that if God says, word says, hey, you got to get rid of all bitterness and wrath, you get rid of it. If God's word says you're not allowed to be angry, you stop being angry. If God's word says you got to stop condemning other people, you stop condemning other people. If God's word says you got to forgive, you forgive. I mean, if God's word says, go swim with great white sharks, you will go swim with great white sharks. It does not say that. Do not say I said that. But I promise you this, if, if it did, I'd be in South Africa diving off a boat right now knowing that God would bless me. I am just crazy enough to believe in the word of God. 
I am asking all of us to really believe that God's word is powerful. And because of that, it can give us wisdom far beyond our abilities. It can change our lives for the better. It can give us success where perhaps there otherwise would have been failure. It will open the door for God's blessing. I'm asking us to accept that. We're going to dig deep into Psalms chapter 1 tonight in the short amount of time that I have. And I want to approach this passage as I would any scripture that I'm reading during my daily time with God. In other words, we're going to study this passage, but I want to study it the way I would study it if it's, you know, I do my devotions at night. A lot of people do them in the morning. Um, I like when the, when the world is just kind of crashing down and it's getting a little more mellow. I love to just dig into God's word and start praying and, and talking to him. I do really weird things, you know, like I'll walk around and we have this bed with these really high bedposts and I'll be like, God, I just want to give you a hug. So I'm going to pretend like this bedpost is you and I hug the bedpost. It would be really odd if you walked in on me during one of those sessions. I'm just wandering around, you know, oh God, you know, I mean, I, I love it. But I want to approach this psalm as if I were doing my daily reading. And when we're done tonight, it's my prayer that you will have a stronger desire to personally read the Bible every day. And then each of us will understand how we are to read it. Well, let's, let's, let me read Psalms 1 and let's break it down. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They're like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the, the godly. The Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to condemnation or destruction. There's a lot going on in these verses, everything from failure to success, from bad decisions to great decisions, from blessings to cursing. What I want to do is just look at it section by section. And, and I really don't even have time to get into verse 4 through 6. Sometimes when I'm reading the word of God, I, just, I get caught up with just two or three. Sometimes I read chapter after chapter. Sometimes I read two or three verses and I'm done, man. I'll even reread those same verses like three or four nights in a row. One of, the, one of the very first things I want to point out to you tonight if you're taking notes. Well, what do I do when I'm having my devotions? Read it and reread it. Reread it and reread it. Let's look at it section by section. I, I don't want to move on until I firmly grasp exactly what Paul is saying to me. So let's just look at verse 1. Paul says this, or I'm sorry, the psalmist says this, All the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand with sinners or join in with mockers. Well, I wouldn't get very far in this verse if I'm reading this, Oh, the joys. I'm like, God. I'm immediately captivated by that thought. God, I want joy. God, I want peace. God, I understand what joy means for you to intervene in my life. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. How do I get that, God? So I started reading this verse, and I start, and I start thinking about reading and rereading it. Well, often when reading God's Word, I will also read a different translation. I, I like the New International Version. I love the New Living Translation both used Greek and Hebrew scholars. Both used the oldest manuscripts they could get their hands on to, to translate. But sometimes one words it in a way that just seems a little easier. But if it's a good translation, they're all saying the same thing. 
I prefer the NIV translation of this verse because it shows the descent of a person into bad judgment. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk. Watch the transition here. As I'm reading this verse, I'm looking for this. Blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. You get this movement, don't you? At first, you're, you're kind of walking with the guy and then you, you stop and then you kind of sit down with him. I, I love that passage because as I've read and reread it, I, I begin to meditate on the meaning. So I've read it and reread it. I've read it in different translations. And now I want to meditate. What is exactly is he saying here? The, the verse is simply telling us if we want to be truly happy, then the direction of our lives must not be found in the wisdom of the world or the people in it. But how many of us start burning up the phones when we're having a problem or, or trials in our lives or, or important decisions? I'm that way. I'll call like five people. And you know what happens most of the time when that happens? All five of them don't answer. And I'm left with just God. You know, and God does that. I mean, it's really weird. I will call, people will call me. I will call, ever have this happen? I will call them immediately back. The phone stops ringing. I call them back and then they don't answer. What, what happened in that one second transition? Anybody else? I start burning up the phones, but this Bible is telling me that I'm not to start looking in the face of other people for an important decision. I, we often look to friends long before we look to God's word for daily answers. Well, Psalmist starts off by saying, blessed is a person who doesn't <clears throat> do that. Look at the progression. First, don't walk in step with the wicked. Well, wicked here literally means those who have been found guilty of a sin and wrongdoing. They have been judged and they have been sentenced. They have been found guilty. These people have committed a crime or a wrong. It's as if he's saying, don't walk in step with them. Don't allow their life to become your life and you'll be happy. Well, second, he says, don't stand around with sinners. Now you're no longer walking, but now you've stopped. Now you're standing around with them. There's a little bit closer fellowship going on here. The Bible says, don't do that. The wicked have been found guilty of doing wrong, but the term sinner here refers to a person whose lifestyle is one of continuously doing wrong. Don't stand around that with them. Don't, don't hang out with them. Don't make them your best friends or the ones who influence you. So you're kind of hanging out with people that, that you know are doing wrong or you know they have done something wrong. You, you kind of know what about their lifestyle is. And, and not only that, but there's, there's no repentance. There's no, there's no turning away from that sin. It, it's their continuous lifestyle. That's what he means when he says, you know, don't stand around with sinners. Don't make them your best friends or the ones who influence you. And then third and finally, he says, don't sit with mockers. Well, the term mocker here refers to someone who's not only content to sin, but they want to take you along with them. They're angry, so you need to be angry. They're bitter, so you need to be bitter. They feel mistreated, so you need to feel mistreated. And they, they amass this, this little army of, of hatred. And, of, uh, and you know exactly what God is talking about. He said, he said, don't sit around with people who mock. Normally, they're mocking something that's amazing and wonderful, but they're so angry that they don't see it. The term here, sitting, implies a deeper connection or a closer friendship. I only sit 
often with people that I love most, people whose counsel I want. My daughter and I go to coffee shops together and talk about life and direction. My closest friends will simply text me, coffee? I'll meet them and chat for hours about ministry in the future. These are people I want to influence and be influenced by. But we're not to make mockers our coffee shop buddies. The gossip, they gossip and tear down. They destroy with either their actions or their words, and they want company. Their advice is poisonous and destructive to individuals and to churches. I have seen mockers destroy lives, marriages, and churches. The guys who get you spinning about your relationships, the guys who get you spinning about things, that's exactly what this verse is saying. So now I've meditated on this verse. I've dug deep. I've watched the transition. I've read it in a couple different versions. Psalms 1-1 is, is telling us who and what not to listen to in life. It's issuing a warning, almost as if to say, here's what can and will cause you a lot of pain. When I was 12 years old, I met a guy named Jerry Brown. Yes, I understand that that's the governor of California. But I think it was a different Jerry Brown, but in all honesty, I'm not absolutely sure I need to check if Jerry ever lived in Kentucky. But I, I had a guy named Jerry Brown. Now, my mom would have told you before I met Jerry that I was the most honest kid in the world. My mom used to say all the time when I was a little kid, she would say, Rick doesn't hide his sin. He parades down Main Street for all to see. That's pretty true of me today, too, isn't it? I mean, you can just kind of get that sense. You'll never walk away from a conversation with me wondering, what was he thinking? But my honesty changed for a season after I met Jerry Brown, because Jerry was anything but honest. I was 11 years old when he taught me how to walk into a 7-Eleven and take whatever I wanted without paying. He was a thief, and by association, I became a thief. Eventually, when I was 12 years old, my, my, uh, my, my crime career, my spree came to a grinding halt when I was arrested at Kmart for stealing an eight-track tape. <laughs> that is so sad, isn't it? I think it was the Doobie Brothers, but I'm not absolutely sure. <laughs> anyway, I was stealing an eight-track tape. Eventually, he and I both got arrested for doing that, and we parted ways, and I went back to being the way I was. But I became who I hung out with. Happy people, people God showers with blessings, don't follow the advice of the wicked. They don't stand around with sinners. They don't join in with mockers. They say, you know what? I remember being in a church office years back. I will not name the church, but I was in a church office, and... And I walked by, and there was one of our lead staff and two of our interns. And I walked in, and I'm like, dude, I'm, those interns are my interns. Why are they in that meeting? And it was a serious meeting. And they said, we're really angry. And they named the pastor. They were, and he was their, their boss. In fact, he was my boss. And I said, have you told him? And they said, no. I said, then this is sin, and it needs to stop now. Stop it. I said, that is evil and wicked. I said, if you have an issue with that gentleman, then you better be in his door and you better be in there by yourself. I don't want to join in with mockers. I was never invited to those meetings again, but they went on. That's wrong. People who are showered with God's blessings don't join in with mockers. Having joy and success begins with knowing who not 
to listen to. Often, while having my devotions, my devotional time with God, I will look for other verses that kind of back up what I was saying. So, so I've read it and I've reread it. I've looked at it in different translations. I've meditate on it, and I'll look for other verses that might bring clarity. Well, how about Proverbs 13? Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Jerry was a fool, and I became one because I hung out with him. I walked with him. I stood with him. Eventually, I sat with him, and I became like him. Don't make the wrong people your closest friends and guides. And if someone is a mocker who is always angry or criticizing, then let me give you one word you need to latch onto. Run. Run away from them. Well, you simply now read and reread one verse. We've meditated on it by digging deep and trying to understand exactly what it's saying and how that applies to our lives. That's just one verse. And sometimes, like I said, I'll get caught up Sometimes I'll read chapter after chapter. Sometimes I'll read two or three verses and I'm done. I'll just meditate and pray and think about those verses. And then I, I have literally probably spent a week or even two weeks on four verses just wrestling with it and wrestling with God. Wait, they make fun of me. Wrestling with it and wrestling with God. Not wrestling with it. Let's just read a couple more verses. But they, let's verse two, but they, remember, uh, happy people, the joy-filled people, don't do this, but the joy-filled people, they do do this, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. Listen, I told you before, I'm just crazy enough to believe the word of God is true. I am just crazy enough to believe that if I will meditate in the word of God, then I will prosper in all that I do. People dig into God's word on a regular basis are like trees planted along river banks. These are trees that always get all the water they need. Often their trunks are fatter and stronger than any other the trees in the forest. I, I, I got offered to play at Victoria National on Friday golf. And I sent pictures to my friends and family back in California and almost all of them immediately commented, oh my gosh, it's so green there. You gotta remember that they live in a state void of water. I mean, it's just brown. The only time you see luscious green year round in California is when you kind of hit the pass to go on to Malibu Beach because so much fog and mist comes out, it keeps, and it's like you go from this brown to this lush green, and it's an amazing transition. Why? Because it gets water. And they're saying that, this passage is saying that reading the word of God is like watering a plant. It's like watering the fields. It's just they can't help but grow up. God's word feeds you and fills you and makes you stronger than those who don't dig deep into it. But he says, people who dig into God's word prosper in all that they do. As I meditated on that, it occurred to me that I believe this verse 100%, and it has brought me great success in life. I took a four-year break from ministry because ministry can just, and man, it can just crush your heart, you know, because you're always loving and serving and giving, and sometimes, you know, it just, it just crazy things are always going on. So I took a break, and I went and sold cars. My first month in the business... I was the number one salesperson for this large dealership. I made 
more in that first month than I had made the year before. I'm not making that up. You wanna know what I did? I believe this verse. I, I, I took out my deal jacket and every day I would have my devotions. You know what I would do? I'd take whatever verse jumped out at me and I'd write it on that deal jacket. I'd write whatever God said, whatever verse. I didn't comment on the verse, I just wrote the verse down. By the end of the month, that deal jacket inside and out was covered with verses and filled with deals. When I went to Southeast Christian Church, we had 23 small group leaders and my goal was to get to 74 and eventually we went to 140. I did the same thing. I'd come in every day and I'd write down a verse what God had said to me in the notes and I would just write it down. Why did I do that? Because I believe what God said. I believe that he said, whatever your hand finds a touch will prosper if you will meditate in the word of God. When reading a promising verse, I will often reconfirm my belief. I will re, what do I mean by that? Well, I tell myself, I believe that God's word is without error, so it must be true. I do not want to be the guy that reads the word and walks away and it doesn't influence his life. I don't want to be the guy who reads the Bible where it says forgive and I walk away and I'm still angry. I don't want to read the word of God where Jesus says pray for your enemies, love those who use you, and I walk away and I hate my enemies and I seek for their destruction. I don't want to be that guy. Why? Because I want the blessings of God. I want to look just like Jesus. So I reconfirm my belief. I believe that God's word is well air, so it must be true. If you believe that personally studying God's word will bring you greater success and intelligence, then I encourage you to start digging into God's word every single day. The psalmist says to delight yourself in God's word. I approach God's word knowing that his answers that I don't have without it. Uh, and let me say this too. This, this is something that I just came to a couple of years ago. I used to think, you know what? Well, I, oh my gosh, I didn't read today. You know, God's not gonna be able to bless me. God's gonna be a little bit mad at me. God's gonna be this. I only recently began to understand that it isn't God who needs me to read his word. I'm doing it because I want all that it has to offer me. I am the one who needs it. God's not up in heaven going, well, now I can't, you know, geez, you didn't read the word. Now I've got to like, you know, curse you or whatever or, or take this or that away. No, God is up in heaven going, dude, just read it because, man, there are answers in there and joy in there and peace in there that you can't have without it. I, God's not the one hurting if I don't read it. I am. Well, I, I want to be really practical. Perhaps you're asking by now, okay, Rick, I want to read the word of God. I started and stopped, started and stopped, or I've never started. I don't know what to do. How, how do I start? In the next minute or so, I just want to give you a couple really practical answers to that. Start with prayer. Start with prayer. That's how you start. The word of God is living, and I need the Holy Spirit to bring me clarity and understanding. Well, what else do I start? Well, we'll start reading. Just just start, start reading. Maybe you jump on some devotional plan. Bible Gateway has, you know, devotional plans. Um, I, I use I use version on my phone. I've downloaded it and it has all the different translations. It has different plans, three or four different plans that you can follow. Sometimes I just read the letters of Paul. Like my son called me the other night and he goes, Dad, I really want to start understanding the Word of God. I want to read it, but I want to know the history behind it. I said, dude, go to Bible Gateway. 
I said, start reading maybe the letters of Paul. And I said, well, you don't understand. On the side, there are free commentaries. Click on a couple of those commentaries and just read. That's when you'll find out what, you know, when, when Jesus was healing the man at the, at the pool of Shalom, you'll, you'll find out that there were seven porches there and seven pools. And, and when you start reading about the Sea of Galilee, you'll understand that it was 13 miles long and 11 miles wide and it was 150 feet deep you'll understand i said just start reading and then start reading some of the commentaries that are right there on bible gateway I said buddy just start reading the letters of paul he said i've been reading it but i want to know the backdrop get to know christ through the gospels those are biographies i was on a plane with a gentleman who said i don't believe in the word of god anybody could have written it. and i said okay i said but but let me ask you a question. I said, if, if, if he, he works for Apple, I said, if you knew Steve Jobs and you spent three years with Steve Jobs and three and a half years in, and you wrote a book about him and I wrote a book about him, would your book be more accurate? He goes, yeah, of course it would. I spent time with him. See, these guys spent time with Jesus. The, 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 the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were written shortly after the death of Christ. These were eyewitnesses. They spoke with eyewitnesses. They're very... I, I, I believe that holy men of God spake and God moved and that it's without error. But we can all agree that these were written by eyewitnesses of Christ. Those are his biographies. So kind of read through him. When you read Matthew, you'll hear a lot about hand washings and this and this kind of Jewish tradition. Well, he wrote primarily to the Jewish people. Luke was a doctor and a Gentile, so he wrote Maybe a little more easy to understand. John seems to see, say things in a very simplistic manner. Just read. When I'm having issues with God, I want to get close. I read Psalms for a closer walk with God. Psalms is all about God, you're this. God, you're amazing. God, I worship you. God, where are you? When I'm having issues with people, I read Proverbs. Psalms is man's walk with God, but Proverbs is definitely about man's walk with man, women's walk with women. Perhaps you could grab the one-year Bible, maybe. But let me give you one other thing about this. Here's what I want to encourage you to do with the Word of God. If you don't understand, read on, read on, read on. Pastor George Taggart in California has read the Bible, he told me, over 70 times. For the past 35 years, he's read it twice a year. And George said this to me. He said, Rick, he said, when you take a shower... He said, not all the water hits you. A lot of it misses you. A lot of it goes down a drain. He said, but what does hit you cleanses you. He said, that's how I see the word of God. I just keep reading. I just keep reading. I get my one year or my, my, my six month Bible. He reads the whole Bible in six months. He goes, I just keep reading. It's like a shower. He goes, what, what doesn't hit washes away. But God always gives me exactly what I need. I want to encourage you to allow time in God's word to change you. Remember the joy is not in studying it, but allowing it to define your, your character. And may this year of Jubilee launch you and me into a relationship with God that is closer than we could have ever imagined. Father, we love you. I love your word. God, it, it, it's got me out of so much trouble. It's made me so much smarter. It's lifted me so high when I was so down. It's brought me peace, God, when there should have been war, joy when there should have been sadness. I trust in your word. I believe in your word. And I want to be in your word every day.
because I don't want to hinder you from blessing me and I don't want to hinder you from allowing me to be a blessing to others. I love you and I worship and I praise you in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you.